Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson. Today, I'll be discussing the Green Bay Packers defense and what the Lions need to do to punch through it in tonight's primetime matchup. All right, let's grease the wheels with a little bit of the history of where this defense comes from. The Green Bay Packers defense is run by former Detroit Lions defensive coordinator, the one who defensive coordinated the worst defense that has ever laced up cleats in the history of football, and I don't care what statistics you throw at me. Every one of those guys was out of the league two years later. The 2008 Detroit Lions defense. Joe Barry has his roots deeply planted in the old Tampa 2 regime in Tampa Bay. Uh, He worked for the Bucs for years before Rod Marinelli brought him into the fold with the Lions. And the most famous quote about Joe Barry's time with the Detroit Lions is when a complete dirtbag beat reporter, and I don't think he's still on the beat, but if he is, I don't care. I said it. Because someone who was a good human being wouldn't ask this question. Um, He asked, do you wish your daughter would have married a better defensive coordinator to Rod Marinelli? Because says is famously true. Joe Barry did marry Rod Marinelli's daughter. And that nepotism is probably part of the reason that he agreed to take the defensive coordinator job. Uh, Because remember, this was in the Matt Millen era of Detroit Lions football where there was no amount of money that could get a good player or coach with other options to come to the Detroit Lions. This was after the Lions had ended Steve Mariucci's viable career as a football coach. <laughs> it was a, this, These were some dark times for Lions fans, and anybody who's under the age of about 30 probably doesn't have a functional memory of how bad those times actually were. But everything that was wrong with Quintricia was worse in the 2006 to 2008 era, and that's when Joe Barry was in Detroit. But he is a very good linebackers coach. And because of that, he stuck around the league. He immediately, after that 2008 season, bounced back and he was in Tampa again because they they welcomed him back with open arms. He did the job they needed someone to do. Following that season, uh, some regime change occurred and uh, he had a one-day stint with the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) Not sure exactly what happened there. It never really came out because, I mean, it's a position coach hire. There's not a lot of coverage on this sort of thing. But he, he literally was there for one day and then took a job at USC as their linebackers coach. So it's not like he took a garbage job in college, but and remember, this is when USC was good last time. Uh, yeah, he's bounced around the league since then. He was, wasn't in college very long. Uh, basically, for whatever teams are playing kind of a split safety defense reminiscent of that old Tampa 2 scheme where they play a lot of kind of softer zone coverage with the two deep shell that I've described a few times or him safety here and a safety here. And they each have half the field. That makes sense. Like, but his defense 
isn't the same ultra passive defense that that Monty Kiffin ran in Tampa Bay. Uh, it's not the same. That, that that's that's what he ran with the Lions as he ran that that trash mooring scheme that requires you to have four or five Hall of Fame players on the field for it to work. He did that with zero Hall of Fame players on the field and got the predictable results. Like I said, that is the worst defense I have ever watched play football. And I have watched every Detroit Lions season in its entirety since about 1992. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of really bad defense played and none of it was even like not even close. Nothing that happened in the Quintricia era was half as awful to sit through as that 2008 defense that could not stop a team if they like they would find a way to not pick up fumbles that that hit them in the chest after bouncing up off the ground. It was it was the worst thing I've ever seen. But anyway, Barry has spent the intervening 15 years between that nightmare and this year while well, learning He's picked up a lot of things as he's kind of gone through the league. Like he took over that Packers defense in 2021 and he saw some immediate success. Like they, they were ninth in yards allowed and in the playoffs, they put up a good performance against San Francisco and ended up sacking uh, Jimmy Garoppolo four times and getting a pick off him. But if you dig a little deeper into the advanced stats, there were even in that first year, a few cracks like the per drive stats were bad. That's that's the gist of it. The offense was limiting the number of possessions that the opponent would get by efficiently moving the ball down the field and sucking up as much time as possible. But they still overall statistically, like on the, the big numbers, all of, all of them were pretty good. And that was, they were missing basically their top pass rusher in Zedarius Smith and their top corner, Jair Alexander, for pretty much that entire season. So people were kind of excited going into 2022 and then 2022 happened. Uh, <laughs> and to say the, uh, the Packers defense was bad last year is, is an understatement in every metric that you can find anywhere, like your DVOAs, your EPAs per play, all of these advanced stats, they were worse than the previous year and the basic kind of normie yardage stats and that kind of stuff all kind of fell into balance with those advanced metrics kind of it all came out in the wash i guess and the packers defense was terrible last year as far as the specifics of the schematic stuff goes barry has kind of followed the evolution of that two deep zone defense from monty kiffin influenced stuff to now you'll hear vic fangio mentioned a lot and he does different things up front, but the, the coverages are very similar. Like a, a big difference between those two things is the reliance on like ultra light nickel formations to stop the run. That's, that's basically what you're dealing with. And the, the mindset there is that it's okay to let the offense kill you by a thousand cuts rather than giving up a single deep pass play. The problem comes when the other team is perfectly happy to do that and is capable of killing you with those thousand cuts. And that's thing one that the Detroit Lions need to do tonight. They need to effectively run the ball against those lighter fronts that Barry utilizes. Like they need to be effective. They need to be patient. They need to take what the defense is giving them to the point where they force the defense to give them something else by getting more aggressive. A big change that Barry has kind of made this year 
is that his nickel run stopping scheme will have the nickel lined up in the box as a linebacker. Now, if you've been paying any attention at all to what the Lions are doing on defense, and I kind of assume you have if you're still listening to this podcast, you're going to be thinking, that's what the Lions are doing with Ifiatu Melifonwu all the time. And you're not wrong. That's what they were doing in the preseason when he was playing well before he got hurt. That's what they've been using him as primarily, like he does go to other spots. But basically, you may have heard the term over the last few years, like the last 10 years or so, money backer. The origin of that is from that Tampa 2 system where they would take their weak side linebacker and that could be a lighter player. Now, if you're as old as I am, you would be thinking of Ernie Sims as the guy who did that badly for Detroit. Even that, we could talk about Ernie Sims for half an hour. We probably will during the offseason. But for now, <laughs> just know that's the archetype. Small, fast, all over the place. That's basically what they're doing with their nickelback to stop the run like in this is in run formations they're taking like a 200 to 210 pound nickelback and they're making him play weak side linebacker that's that's what they're doing so the lines need to take advantage of that when it's there get guys like block right and sam laporta blocking that guy and cracking open holes because the entire scheme is built around keeping blockers off of that guy and the other linebackers you know, a somewhat similar way to what the Lions do, actually, that I have been talking about all season. Uh, <laughs> just let those guys flow and and get through the traffic and get there to make tackles. The league's a wheel, man, is what I'm getting at. Like, it all just keeps coming around and around and around again, and everybody under the age of 35 gets real excited about all these cool new things that are happening. Like, I'm sure I'm missing something that happened in, like, 1984. <laughs> to deal with uh, Dan Marino and the Dolphins throwing the ball all over the yard. There was probably some crazy scheme that brought in like a one smaller linebacker or like two strong safeties or something that I just haven't really read up on because it does just, it, the, the, the league is so cyclical because the fundamentals, the ways to beat certain coverages don't change and they go to those coverages to react to the last offensive thing and then there's a new offensive thing to deal with these new coverages, and then the coverages change to beat that offensive thing, and it just keeps happening and happening and happening. So you end up getting a lot of very similar-looking things. They're not the same, but the ideas, it's just a new way of doing the same things, is what I'm getting at. Another thing they've been doing on defense is they've been utilizing their pass rushers from a stand-up position, like as off-ball linebackers, kind of like borrowing, let's say, uh, from what Dallas does <laughs> a lot of the time. And the idea behind that is an obvious passing downs. They'll just take like, using Lions terms, they'll, they'll take like a Charles Harris, but it's a Lucas Van Ness kind of thing. And they'll, they'll line him up as a linebacker and then they'll have him blitz somewhere. And the thing is, you don't know where that blitz is going to go. And that is what causes issues for your blocking scheme. The idea behind it, like they've done this for a couple seasons. They were doing it with Zadarius Smith previously. Is that they're trying to get a guard in space, like in more space than you ever want to have a guard have. So they'll take their defensive tackles and kind of split two guys off and have like one or little guard slash center sort of isoed in the middle with nothing to do. And then in comes that edge from that position from off ball. And basically you have a guy who cannot block well in space. 
suddenly having to deal with like a 260, 270 pound gazelle in space. So thing two that the Lions have to do is they have to get their blitz pickups right. And if that means that Jameer Gibbs, like if he can't do that, he can't play this week. And that is going to irritate a lot of Lions fans because he is so potentially explosive. But if having him in the game results in Jared Goff on his back three or four times, that's the game. Like that's it's little things like that, that that end it like those are drive killers when they do this because they do only really do it on obvious passing situations. So if it's third and eight and Goff gets sacked, drives dead. As far as the passing game goes in terms of what the Lions need to do with their receivers, the Packers do, like I said, run mostly those two deep safety concepts. So there's always over the top help. And on the surface, that might seem like they need to have Sam Laporta and Amon Ra St. Brown eat. But. I would say that's probably not the case because that is what Green Bay wants you to do is throw those like middle receivers and, and let them get tackled. Basically, like the whole the whole thing is built around not letting things go deep. So you're not likely to see Sam Laporta run uncontested into the end zone this week unless somebody really messed something up and tried to arrange having them mess that up. It's part of what the Lions need to do. But it's kind of a secondary thing. It's like if you don't stop us from doing this thing, you know, we want to do. That opens up if like basically what they have to do to stop that opens up other things is what I'm getting at. A phrase I hate and have hated since the day was coined on a certain Thanksgiving by John Gruden. This used to be called something else and it's become so pervasive that I don't even remember what the other thing it used to be called was. So if you do comments below, because I'd like to start calling it that instead of this. Let's talk about the turkey hole. What that is, and I'm going to be doing some hand gestures here. I'm going to talk about it. Hopefully I get it through on the audio, but if you don't understand, come look at the YouTube channel. Actually, you know what? Always just come look at the YouTube channel. <laughs> so you can, you can see me flail around like an idiot. So you've got your two safeties deep where my hands are right now. You have your two corners right close to the line of scrimmage, trying to stop the receivers from getting basically a free release from the line that leaves holes up in these corners here where my hands are right now behind the mic. You can't really see it too well. Basically on the sideline in the transition between that shallow coverage from the corners and the deep coverage from the safety is a spot called by John Gruden and nobody else prior to that, that I had ever heard the Turkey hole. And you need to get guys into that. But the way that you threaten that, because if you just have guys running towards the turkey hole, the safeties just start playing out towards the edge of the field, taking that away. You need to have something coming up the middle real fast, like, say, a Sam Laporta, to prevent the safeties from just playing the sidelines. And it needs to be something quick enough that the linebackers can't carry it. And that is the thing is the Packers do have some pretty fast linebackers. So it might have to be Amon Ross A. Brown. But you need something and someone getting into that middle deep spot, like even like Khalif Raymond, get him to do it. Just run him from the slot directly up the middle. That'll open up that turkey hole shot for somebody. But that's kind of the key thing is getting some deep balls that way. Because if the safeties still play the outside, you've got that open guy up the middle and maybe Sam Laporta does dance uncontested. Not super likely, but it, it can happen. 
the way you do it basically is you have three guys going deep, one down each sideline and one in the middle, running some kind of pattern that's 15 yards or deeper, basically, so that it is that safety's responsibility, those two safeties' responsibility to deal with these three patterns. That is the cover two beaters that you may have heard previously. Uh, Dan Orlovsky talks about them on ESPN all the time, but he never says what they are. Uh, that's That's what it is. So basically, the Lions need to do that. That's the three things. They need to chew yardage and clock by running early and often successfully. They need to make sure that they pick up the weird blitzes that the Packers are going to throw at them on third down to try to get the guards in trouble. And they need to use Sam Laporta and St. Brown to open up the turkey hole and shove Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond right into that hole like stuffing. See you in the morning to talk about the game. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions! You've had enough of that shit.